Welcome to the sixth episode of Views to Mall 2020 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who, it's difficult to say, but his predictions are worthless, Logan Saunders. I saw that quote coming. I know you did. I warned you there was going to be an iconic intro for you this week, and as soon as you realised that your last team member of Place goes home... <laughs> oh, you can just kind of write it yourself. It's wonderful for me. I don't have to write anything. Three out of five executions. Three out of four, because we only form the teams at final nine. Oh, yes. Three out of four executions. Not, not, not the best team I picked at the beginning. And three in a row. That's what makes it even sweeter, is the fact that you had two eliminations in a row, and I asked you point blank last week, do you want to switch? And you said no. But then everyone was going to switch back. Like, Clay's was at the bottom of a lot of people's suspects list. Yeah, but would we actually have swapped back this week, or would we have waited? Because you know as well as I do, Michelle is waiting to the last second to use her switch, and I will be using mine defensively this week. So... You probably would have got away with it this week. I'll be honest. Yeah. Who would you have swapped Clays for? Probably would have swapped for Rob or Malushka at this point. The big hairs? Yes. The Slutty Bond Alliance? The problem for me and Michelle now is that you still have your Switch, and you can still use it up until next week. Oh, so I can switch somebody... I can switch nobody for somebody? No, you can switch between me and Michelle's teams. Oh. I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that rule in, in case I was eliminated first. <laughs> <laughs> now it's going to backfire on you hardcore. <laughs> yeah, and, and now I'm regretting writing it. So I just get to be a whole trouble sport uh, if if I want to. I'd be like a Babam in Mario Kart 64 in battle mode. You're pretty much the blue shell of the the Vidim pool now. Babam and a blue shell. But the good thing for you is you get to basically decide who wins, if you're confident on your mole prediction now. Yeah, that's the thing. I have one last chance to redeem myself going into the final episode, where as long as I pick the right mole out of the last three people, I'll feel good about myself at the end of the season. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, I'm slightly concerned that you are, after my teasing, going to just try and screw me. But screw Michelle as much as you want. Let's not take that out of context. (laughs) At least with you going down in flames... You've done it on a wonderful episode, because all three of these challenges were delightful. Why wasn't our podcast featured as the envelopes? I know, and we are going to be strongly discussing that in a few minutes. You should, we should let us send a letter to Rick saying, Hey man, why the shunning? Our friends <laughs> Mark, Nalika, and Iger got mentioned, but we didn't. That's not fair. Well, I guess Vidim's just not a fair game to begin with. No, it's so unfair, as you proved this week. Yeah. So previously, everyone tried to complete challenges in laser circles, but clumsy Johan, Nathan, and Milishka got themselves eliminated. Johan and Nathan compounded this by doing nothing in a market challenge, but in the botanical gardens, everyone got the chance to become the mole's biggest fan. At the execution, Johan got the red screen and became Logan's second team member sent home. And Rick introduces the episode by saying the candidates are no longer a group. Johan thought he was on the right track, but as always, he was wrong. The time to spread is over, choices must be made, and tunnel vision must be avoided. And yet people were still spreading on the quiz? Yeah, I think it was Rob who ended up saying at the the execution, yeah, I'm just going to spread for one more round, and then at Final Five I'm going to go laser-focused. Do you think you can get away with splitting even at Final Five and Final Four? I think by Final Five and Final Four you've kind of got to be at least reasonably confident of your mole. 
or at least put like 80% of the questions on one person. Yeah, because the problem with them all generally is the fact that if you get a green screen, you don't know actually how much of a right track you're on. All you know is that you didn't tie with the loser. Anything else is a bonus. Yeah, I guess that's the whole theory of it. It's like, well, you can still survive even if you go all in on one person, or you can still survive if you split amongst a couple other people because the other person was laser focused on the wrong person, and you can just buy yourself time until the final round. Yeah, the problem you get there is when you have a season or two back-to-back like we have had in the past, where actually the loser in the finale had no idea who the mole was. We had two years on the trot where the winner suspected the mole, the mole suspected the loser, and the loser suspected the winner. Yeah. And it's hilarious when it happens, because you get the wonderful, iconic mole reaction of, what? What? How did that happen? (laughs) How did I get to the end? (laughs) (laughs) So, the title for this week's episode is Not For One Bit, or literally, Not For One Meter. And Leonia opens the episode by saying she's all alone, everyone else is in a buncher, and she will keep an eye on Buddy and Malushka, but Clace, Nathan and Rob aren't suspicious. And on day 11, they head to the White Horse Temple for their first challenge at sunset. Nathan says it's, unlike most challenges, very calm and serene. So so the alliances, or the coalitions right now are Rob and Malushka, Buddy and Malushka, Clace, Nathan, and Rob, and then... Leone's just on her own. Yeah, no one's aligned with her. And then everyone and then uh, everyone knew that Rob used a black exemption. Yeah, because for some reason he actually told everyone. I'm curious what the strategy was there. Just to make himself look more or just have some sort of attention on him? Yeah, I'm wondering whether he just wanted to make himself look a bit suspicious. Because if, if as we find out later in the episode, he has been kind of trying to get all the honesty out of everyone and then be dishonest himself, then people are going to start maybe suspecting him a little bit. Yeah, which means he wouldn't be the mole at that point then if he's just trying to draw attention onto himself like that. No. So, in the first challenge, everyone must commit their naughtiest thing they've ever done by running through a field of wheat searching for six mobile phones. The distance between them in metres forms an 11-digit phone number in order, they can find the phones by calling them. If they do that correctly, they will get Rick's number, and he will tell them how much money they have made for the pots. And he starts them quite generously by calling the first phone for them. And this challenge has the best name I have ever seen on Vista Mall. Did you spot it? No, I did not. It is called Voice Mall. Voice Mall? <laughs> it's delightful. And it is worth 1,500 euros for the pots. And I must say, it would have been hilarious with all the wrong numbers that they dialed if the, if the last one they tried was like, hello, suicide hotline, how may I help you? I have a feeling that they probably reserved all of the numbers either side the correct ones. There's to be so many combinations, though. Yeah, but they're not going to not find the one meter one away, for example. And using Malushka's logic of all Chinese numbers start with 170, they can kind of guarantee that that one's going to be fine. And then they just need to do one either side on each. They have to be at least reasonably reserved numbers, because otherwise you'd just get random Chinese people getting phone calls. Which would have been hilarious. If it was one of the, if it would have been one of the restaurants. Stop calling us! This is the second episode this season that you have called us. We can't understand you. Hot for <laughs> Stop speaking to us in Dutch. Bye. <laughs> 
we don't deliver to wheat fields. But yeah, they're just so naughty running through fields of wheat. It looked like a 90s music video. I mean, I loved this challenge purely because a couple of years ago when we had an election in the UK, um, the then Prime Minister was asked, what's the naughtiest thing you've ever done? And she thought about it for a little while and she said, well, I can't really think of one, but the naughtiest thing I can think of that I've done is that when I was younger, uh, me and my friend used to run through the fields of wheat at the back of my house and the farmer wasn't very happy. What? And running through fields of wheat being the naughtiest thing that someone's done has become basically a meme in the UK of uh, of something to just, you know, take the piss out of a stupid answer. The current Prime Minister was asked the same question in last year's election and said, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you that. I ran through a, a field of corn. Well, he, he first jokingly said running through a field of wheat, but... Um, yeah, I think his his answer is probably a bit a bit more serious. <laughs> a threesome, a threesome in a field of wheat. Without going too far into it, um, he refuses to actually confirm how many children he's got. Oh, he has a bit of a reputation as a womanizer. <laughs> so they all have twenty minutes to try and find all of the six phones and then work together to put them into the the number that is Rick. And before this challenge even got into it, I was trying to work out what the mole would do. What do you think he would do as mole in this challenge to sabotage? Well, I guess just not have the money like walk over to take the measuring tape that you're just not quite in the exact same spot. Or when you put the tape on the ground to where you think the phone is, no one can really see exactly where you are. So you can be off by like a meter there too. Yeah, I think, knowing what I know about previous mole seasons, that it's either going to be the mole let the tape a bit loose, the mole turned a phone off so that they couldn't hear it ringing for a while, or they just slightly moved. All they had to do was move a meter in one direction, and the challenge was failed. Right, and then they were debating numbers a lot too. All somebody had to do was like throw in a couple of numbers that were off and have that worked into the conversation. Or not even correct them. Oh, yes, if somebody accidentally said the wrong number, just not say anything. So there's, in other words, this is a very hard challenge to win. Yeah, which makes it more impressive that they actually managed to get one metre away. Yeah, that's true. They were extremely close by the end of it. And it's pretty much the first one that they weren't confident of, because it was the third phone, but it was 90 metres instead of 91. For a challenge like that, to only be one metre off after by the end of it is... I, that should really be considered like a, a win. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I'm quite impressed with them. And, you know, what's the difference between their performance at the last challenge and their performance at the first one of this episode? It's not having Johan sabotaging them. Well, yeah, I mean, Johan alone is like two metres tall. I mean, they were only off by half a Johan. And the correct number was 170-90-376518. And that is 100% going to be a clue. And Rick's number will now be ringing constantly at home after the airing of this episode. Ni hao! <laughs> yeah, it's Rick's Chinese cousin. Yeah, what Rick's done is he's recorded a voicemail just doing the impression of the uh, wrong number lady. That's <laughs> yeah, a Dutch guy trying to speak Mandarin. And at the end of the challenge, yeah, they, they earn no money, and Buddy was the one who measured it wrong, so everyone is suspecting him now. Buddy... We learned during this episode that Buddy has basically not been anyone's Buddy apart from Milushka. The name is a misnomer. It really is. Everyone just thinks he's a petulant child and it's quite delightful. Well, yeah, look at how short he is. I mean, they make jokes about his height like five times this episode. Yeah, the uh, the elbow height 
I had thing was very funny later in the episode. <laughs> so Milushka and Buddy have a bunch of catch up, and she reveals Baddy got blamed all the time in the beginning, and he doesn't like being the bad guy. And then the fallout from Rob having a black exemption continues. He was aggressive in the beginning, trying to find out what everyone had, and nobody expected him to have anything, but people lie in this game. There's a lot of tricks underneath that hat of Rob's. Or illusions. So, the next morning, Rick greets them in the town square, and behind them are six squares marked out on the tarmac, and if they're in the right order, they can earn 2,500 euros for the pot. They each have a tour group with them, and must keep them close. They have 15 minutes to find the correct order, and someone has to be the one to step out of their square and head to Rick in the end to cash out. That must be one pissed off tour group. Over here we have a square. Over here we have another square. Over there is another small square. Now we will return to the first square. Now go over to the other square that we were here before. That concludes our tour for today. See, the reason that this challenge was so much fun is because it's bonkers and it's purely a character challenge. There's no reason for them to actually do this sort of a challenge. It's purely, you've loved these people for six episodes now, here's them just being idiots. <laughs> here's them running around with a bunch of Chinese people. Yeah, and like Nathan is so enthusiastic whatever he does. <laughs> Starts dancing to distract them as if they're going to wander away from the square. Not going to lie, if Milushka didn't say that quote about Leone, it would have been something to do with Nathan randomly dancing that would have been your intro this week. <laughs> The Canadian who starts randomly dancing just to distract Chinese Saurus. They should have all tried to make them switch at the same time and see if all the people in tour group could end up with the right person. I was just so confused as to what the correct order was here. Because it's pretty much mastermind with Chinese tour groups. Yeah, I couldn't solve what the combination could be either. I didn't get the I, I was as clueless as the contestants were with the logic of it. So essentially they work out that if you're in the correct space, you are worth 500 euros. And if the other person's in the correct space and suddenly they're worth 300 and so, it's like all or nothing with each person? No, I, I think it was basically, if you're in the correct space for you, you're worth 500 euros. If you're one away, you're worth 50. If you're two away, you're worth 40. If you're three away, you're worth 30. And then zero. That was my read on it. I may be wrong. <laughs> and then Leonie was five away, so she was worth only 10? Yeah, so Leone was worth... Yeah, Leone was worth 10, so it's probably... <laughs> got it. It's probably 550, 40, 30, 10, then, and zero. Oh, 550 makes sense, because 500 would be for the one person who's in the right spot, then the other five can all be five spaces away for 10 euros apiece. So in other words, they were guaranteed... Uh, they'd be guaranteed at least, what, what was the lowest amount that was on the board? 50 euros? 60 was the lowest we saw, I think. 60. So six. So they were guaranteed 60 euros no matter what? In theory. <laughs> and well, how will like one person trips and falls, and or some of the people in the tour group fall, and then they don't get that 10 euros? There was still a zero square for everyone. Oh, there's still a way for people to earn zero. There was one zero square? No, each person had one square that would have been zero for them. Right. It's a very confusing challenge to explain, oh. but it Essentially, the only way you can win all 2,500 on this is take it square by square. So you, get, you put each person into that square until it hits 500, and then you do the next one until they hit 500, then you do the next one until it hits 500, and repeatedly work it out until you work out who the zero person is. The thing is, they didn't figure that out until it was too late into the challenge, or didn't figure it out at all. 
No. You have to take each square individually and just keep yeah. plugging away until you get it right. That's the only way to win this sort of a challenge. And they didn't do it that way. They just had people swapping all over the place. Yeah. I don't even know how you'd mole other than trying to cause chaos with your Chinese tourists. In a country of 1.5 billion people, it may not be the toughest thing to do. So, yeah, there's loads of switches. It goes between 60 euros, 550, 1,040, back down to 550, back up to 1,040, back down to 60. Nathan starts dancing while he waits to swap squares, and they decide to settle for 1,040, which is probably correct. I, I don't know. There's still five minutes left on the clock, wasn't there? Yeah, but there's still there's two people in the correct spots, and that's it. Yeah, but they could. I think that was still enough time to try at least five or six more combinations. Yeah, I don't know. They all looked like they really enjoyed it. They just wanted to, to just relax for five minutes out of the whole game. Yeah, <laughs> thinking about it, there must have been a square worth worth zero for everyone as well, and the correct person had to be in that square for them to be able to cash out and not lose anybody. This is hurting my head. It's midnight. It's hurting my head. (laughs) You feel like Johan right now? Yeah, I've got a a fuzzy Johan head. Maybe you switch brains with them, just like how people switch the squares. Maybe. So, Milusha does have the iconic quote of, it's difficult to say, Leone, but I think you're worthless. (laughs) They kept saying... You're worthless, Leone. You're worthless. <laughs> it's like, wow. Wow. Oh, Johan really was the punching bag before, and now it's all being transferred onto Leone. Like, Pat Benatar, hit me with your best shot. Damn. Fire away. Fire away on Leone for a, for two days straight. <laughs> so, given that they earn 1,030 euros for the pot, we know two people were in the correct spot, and three people were in pretty much the furthest spot away that they could be. The question is who? Well, four of them were, actually, because Leone was wrong as well. Yeah, like, this This was an easy challenge to get 1,040 euros. They should have been able to get a lot more. The producers are being very, very generous this season. They really are, because not even at the end of a sixth episode, they're getting very, very close to 10,000 euros, which they struggled to make in the entire season last year. Yeah, and they still have three rounds of play left. And without spoiling anything, they're pretty much on course to earn the highest pot in about five years, excluding twists. Yeah. They're doing very well this year. I think it looks good from a production standpoint if you have a higher pot than normal. Well, yeah, I think they've gone through a run of quite low pots recently, and I think it's probably quite difficult to convince people to give up three weeks of their lives for less than 10,000 euros, potentially. Do they have appearance fees with all of the contestants? I know they're not really, like, big celebrities in the Netherlands. In fact, people online say they never really hear of the majority of the contestants, but do they still have appearance fees on top of the grand prize pool, or is that just more of an American or a Canadian reality show thing? I would assume there is a stipend, but I don't know anything for certain. That's the other thing with like Dutch and Belgian television too, is that there's not it's not like the American, Canadian, or even to a lesser extent the Asian shows where there's all these interviews and podcasts and blogs and people digging just because it's been around for twenty years. With like Dutch from with the the Dutch and Belgian mole, 
a lot of things are really kept contained and the contestants are in on it being kept contained. Like you don't see CNN going on a bunch of podcasts talking about the mole. In fact, you don't really hear of any of them like doing podcasts, uh, interviews and stuff. Yeah, having said that, if anyone from Vidim generally is interested in talking to us, be our guest. We will happily talk to you. Let's be honest, especially, especially if it's CNN. CNN. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hear about North Korea or then Syria. All we want to do is talk to every Vidim contestant about their trips to North Korea. That's it. If you've been to North Korea, register for our podcast guest list. Well, you know how we had that list of stupid questions that we asked everyone with the interviews a couple of years ago? I think Have You Been to North Korea would be a fine addition to that list. Americans aren't allowed in North Korea now. They used to be able to through the Chinese tour group. They, they were allowed to be in North Korea, but now there's a complete ban. Unless you go via the DMZ. That's the only difference. Oh, when you go onto the other side of the table for 10 minutes? Yeah, if you go onto the other side of the table and shake hands with Kim Jong-un, you're fine. Otherwise, you are banned. So on the bus between challenges, they count and sort the pot and realise that they are very close to €10,000. And Leone kind of has a crisis of confidence and says she didn't spot anything suspicious and needs to switch on more in challenges and stop being so fanatical. And then... <laughs> and as our survivor blogger Maeve so beautifully put it on chat about half an hour ago, Leone is the most intense person I think I've ever seen on reality TV. <laughs> she just glares at the camera. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's a, I didn't think of that before. But yeah, she has that real intensity when she does confessionals. Like she's seen through the camera operator's soul. I am more convinced this week than ever that Leone is making the final three now. Whether she's winner or mole, I'm not sure. But I think she's probably going to be there at the end now. Just because now she has like an underdog at it? Yeah, she definitely got a this person's going to be the one who actually switches on and finds the mole at it for me this week. If I had to guess at Final Five who would be the one person to pick the mole now, it's probably going to be Leone. Not Clay's? No, Clay's, sadly for you, is uh, is no more in this season. Maybe there'll be a car with a paint bomb thing where he can come back somehow. Anything to get rid of that shirt. <sighs> oh yeah, I was, I, was gonna, I was thinking how long we're going to wait to talk about that shirt. It was awful. How are you allowed to wear that shirt in China? Just knowing, because I, I teach, you know, I, I teach ESL to uh, Chinese students. I've been doing that for a year and a half now, and I work work for these Chinese companies. And I got to tell you, what I know about Chinese culture, that shirt would be very, very banned. <laughs> yeah. Not only are you definitely not allowed to wear that in public in China, you shouldn't be allowed to wear that in public generally. And especially not as a fashion designer. It was a woman in a thong on a bicycle. This tops Dennis Rodman's uh, Dennis Rodman in Celebrity Mole Yucatan. He had a surf naked shirt, but this this tops that. He's a fashion designer, for goodness sake. It's like one of those like tacky shirts that you find at Winners or something, where it's like, man, because there's shirts like that at Winners, and I think, man, who the hell would buy that? It's the top of the line fashion designer. In, in Central Europe. I can only assume he lost a bet. I was thinking that, yeah, maybe he, like, maybe, maybe he had a mole pool going on and his three suspects went home in a row and they're like, you gotta wear the shirt. You gotta wear a shirt of a 
woman in a thong bikini on a bicycle and wear it through China and hope you don't get imprisoned, Clace. But the best thing is, this is the final shot of Clace of the entire season, basically, is him leaving. He gets executed in that shirt. Him leaving, wearing a ghastly (laughs) t-shirt. It's like, uh, maybe he didn't even have the lowest score, it's just production penalising him with like three or four points just for that shirt alone. It's like, man, we can't air. We can't have this guy wearing that shirt every day on TV. Like, we can't. Like, can you imagine at the finale reveal? Like last year, you had Niels in a suit. You had Meryl and Sarah, Sarah in really nice dresses. Could you imagine Clay's in the final three in Fondle Park and he's wearing a shirt of a woman in a thong bikini on a bicycle? It's like, here's our winner. I just love to assume that. <laughs> Every episode now, if Clay had survived, he would have just worn a more inappropriate t-shirt until the finale reveal where he's just literally in one of those naked aprons. Or like a Borat's swimsuit. <laughs> That's pretty much... Well, like That would be the next step. What was he thinking? What would have been even funnier is if the editor saw it and then blurred out his t-shirt. This is why, with production in American Survivor, this is why they choose the contestants' wardrobe for them, just to avoid situations like this. Yeah, there is absolutely no way that he would get away with that t-shirt on any other show. Maybe he's like, I'm motherfucking Clay, so I can wear whatever the fuck I want. You want me on the molar? You want me on Venom or not? I mean, don't get me wrong, it's hilarious that he wore it, and it just improves this episode even more because spoilers this episode is the best one of the season so far for me but it's just hilarious that he thought that that t-shirt was a good idea it's like man like in the american version they all wear really formal clothing for the executions or for the dinners and stuff and then imagine if it was anderson cooper and you got you know uh bill bill mcdaniels and all the other guys uh having dinner and and then you have Clay's in there with a shirt of like a woman uh, using a watering hose, but it's uh, level with her crotch or something. Like, I mean, in a season characterized by the slutty Bond, somehow Clay's has tops it with a slutty T-shirt. <laughs> All right, let's get to our next challenge. Yeah. So for the final challenge of the episode, they are taken to the ancient dragon-shaped village of Viapo. Have you heard of it? I have not. Neither have I. Seems like a cool place. Hmm. This is the sort of place that you would spend New Year if you were going to China at New Year for. Especially if it was Year of the Dragon. Yeah. So it's like another nine years before it's the Year of the Dragon again, I think. I'm going to Google that in a minute. I'll be very impressed if you're correct that that was the Year of the Dragon. So one by one, they will enter the village through a door. Each person has five minutes to map out mole envelopes that are hidden on the doors and the walls and the pillars and... uh, eye level for Buddy, which is bicep level for everyone else. And only the final person gets to go inside and grab envelopes with the money in them. The rest are scouts, and they will collect sand for an hourglass that times the final candidate as well. And if they're still in the compound within five minutes, any sand they're carrying will not count. And it's worth up to 1,500 euros for the pots. And they quickly decide to make Nathan the final runner, which is 100% the correct decision, because can you imagine... If they'd made Malouche correct. Or Leone, where she just shouts, Envelope, envelope, table, chair, pencil, crayon, uh, glue stick, uh, hat, clay's a shirt. At least with Leone, she would have come back before the timer ran out. 
because when she does her run, she comes back with 80 seconds left. Yes. And somehow with a new, she's adopted a new kid, uh, she's paid off her student loans, and she ran the Boston Marathon all in that time that she was in the village. I mean, she essentially plays this challenge exactly how she plays the rest of the season. Incredibly intense, burning out quite quickly. And how quickly did you work out what the names on the envelopes meant? I did not work it out. I only knew because the guys from Trust Nobody actually pointed it out on Twitter and they were like, poor Iger, he didn't even get shown on screen. Oh, they actually left one of the guys out? Yeah, there's three of them on Trust Nobody. Two of them got shown on screen, one of them didn't. (laughs) Oh, that's just hilarious. So they were teasing him massively. (laughs) But we do have to say... We are, by default, the best English-language mole podcast, and it is a democratic outrage that we were not included in these envelopes, despite the fact that Rick wasn't even aware of us until Christmas, basically. But still, I was there at the finale last year. Surely that's got to count for something. CNN, I guess, just didn't get in touch with the right people. Yeah, it's basically a CNN sabotage. But I would have loved it if we hadn't even known, and there was an envelope shown on screen saying, Super Kawaki. Yeah. Maybe a Belgian mole will do a similar challenge. Yeah, Gilles, if you're listening, please just sneak us into the episodes. That's all I want. In fact, our mission for the next year is to try and get snuck into one episode of something. Doesn't matter what. I just want us to be in the background of something. Well, we just have to figure out where they're filming next season, book a ticket there, and hope we run into the crew. That is very true. But still, yeah, I would like us to be represented a little bit more, because, I mean... This is episode 299. We are celebrating episode 300 in, like, two days' time. Give us some props, please. Yeah. (laughs) That's my pitch, and Logan is incredibly enthusiastic about it. (laughs) Not fanatical. So Rob is the first person in the village, and he finds envelopes with Mark, Offer Trust Nobody, and Bodeos. And he escapes with five seconds to spare... And the map, as he finds out when he comes out, is messy. Yeah, it was not very detailed. Especially when the one thing you are told is plot where the envelopes are. You don't need anything else. And Buddy is the second person up, and he heads all the way to the back of the village and grabs a tube of sand on the way out. And Leonie is third, and she finds a lot of envelopes and takes the tube back with her. But the walkie-talkie keeps cutting out for her. Sabotage. Yeah, that was definitely some mulling going on there. Was Buddy holding down the button? Was Leone holding down the button? And when there are two out of the last five people left, you can't help but assume that one of them is the mole. Yeah, it was one of those two. And Milushka is fourth up, and she basically does exactly what she's done all season. She's calm, grabs as many tubes as she can, and, you know, just chills. Chelushka, I'm going to start calling her. She can just sit back and eat some cheesecake. Fucking cheesecake. Yeah. Yeah, fucking cheesecake. But being a hero, she does come back with five tubes of sand. And Clace is the last scout up, and during his run, they actually work out what the envelope names are, probably because they were prompted in uh, confessional afterwards, and actually acknowledge the fans and put some of them, although not us, into Vistamol 2020. And Clace returns with two more tubes, before Rick returns with five names when Nathan will find money on his run and all of the envelopes have been swapped out with blank ones. And any wrong ones that they take will contain minus money. Ooh. And we also find out that eye level for Buddy is bicep level for Nathan. 
and they consider taking a third envelope, but decide to just go for the two that they are pretty confident about. And they play it safe, just like Rick said before this challenge. It's been an effective strategy for a couple episodes now. It really has, because they are kind of by default the most successful team in a long while, and it's purely because they don't necessarily go for all or nothing, they go for the safe bet. This goes all the way back to that uh, the porcelain challenge with the cups and stuff, where they just said, hey... Let's not trade in for the suitcase, let's just go with the money that we know we can get. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of challenges this series where they're not telling them the full value as well. Because we had the porcelain challenge, the um, Theresa May Memorial challenge of running through a field of wheat. That was one where Rick said, I'll tell you how much it is if you can ring me. And there's been a few more, I think. Wasn't the, the I Amsterdam sign challenge also ambiguous about how much it was going to be? I think. Oh, yeah, I don't think they mentioned it. Yeah, I don't think they did either. So the first envelope that Nathan picked up contained 300 euros, but the second contained two minus 250 notes, meaning they earn minus 200 euros out of a possible 1,500 for the challenge, 830 out of a possible 5,500 for the episode, and 9,250 euros out of a possible 36,960 for the season so far. And it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever makes the most mistakes goes home. Apart from the mole, who can't go home? And then we find out everyone's suspicions. So Milushka says she feels good about the test, but she's still nervous. Rob promised himself he'd spread until top five, and he excludes Clayson and Nathan, but will spread more on Milushka, Leone and Buddy. Buddy suspects Leone, because he's had his eye on her since day one. Johan going has made Leone open her eyes more. She's still on Milushka, but now suspects Buddy a bit too. She's worried she has tunnel busy. Clace doesn't know if he can trust Milushka. He's more careful after the last execution. Milushka was on Nathan for a while, but she thinks she would have seen if he was mole by now, as she's befriended him. She now suspects Rob and Leone. Nathan is still spreading. Buddy, Leone, and Milushka are still his suspects. And then at the execution, Milushka, Nathan, Buddy, and Leone all get green screens before Logan's final team member of Clace is executed. Down he goes. (laughs) And I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. I like how in his parting words, he's like, oh man, you know, what was great is that we laughed. One of my favorite memories was laughing all that time, laughing so much in that assignment with the Chinese tour group. Like, we just kept laughing and laughing and laughing. And all he was thinking was, that assignment only lasted 15 minutes. So it's 15 minutes of pure bliss for Clace, and then the other 12 days was him just being miserable as fuck. And you know what I love about that quote? Is the fact that we saw nothing of Clace enjoying himself in that challenge, and we saw basically nothing of Clace this entire episode. That's the thing that threw me off too. He got like, like, his edit never picked up. He had one confessional this week. Really? You counted? Yep, because I got, I must admit, I got tipped off to Clace going last night. So I was kind of sat there cackling at your fate, I'm not going to lie. But I was watching out for how much Clay's content we actually got this week, and it was nothing. We got basically nothing of Clay's this week, and it's really quite hilarious. I wonder he just didn't give anything to the editors all season long. Yeah, I don't know. But it's really quite entertaining. Because, yeah, I've never really heard of a suspect going home this late in the game with no airtime. <laughs> One confessional is is nothing when you have five other people for a an episode that has a running time of 60 minutes. 
I mean, with Survivor, they had their premiere with 20 contestants and it was a two hour episode that only had a running time of what, 85 minutes with 20 players and they fit everybody in. And here we have 60 minutes of running time with just six people and Clay's just gets one confessional out of the whole thing. I think we were reasonably confident he wasn't the mole quite a while ago. It's just really delightful that, you know, he went home in such a purple blaze of glory. Yeah. And hopefully that shirt gets executed too. <laughs> and we end the episode with Rob being upset that Clace went home, but Clace's red screen is Rob's green one. So next time, there is a factory full of cars, a laser game against the mole, and Buddy looks for three Chinese and a hamburger. <laughs> that's just a funny sentence to say out loud. Yeah, I know, that's why I wrote it. <laughs> So, the killer questions, Mr. Saunders, who are your two suspects, and who is going home? Uh, right now, Rob and Leonie are my two suspects, and I am predicting that... Uh, who's like, Maybe Nathan goes home next. Might be Nathan's time. Mm. We are worryingly quite on the same page now, I think. Leonie has jumped up to be my top suspect. So it's Leonie and Malushka as my top two. And I feel like Nathan's probably going as well. Yeah, I feel like he doesn't have any more story left to him while Buddy, Malushka, Rob, and Leonie all do. My predicted final three, and I've been thinking about this this week, assuming Clay's went home, <laughs> because, you know, it was going to happen soon. I think the final three probably are going to be Rob, Malushka, and Leonie in some order now. I agree. That's my final three as well. I think that if Malushka isn't the mole, Buddy's going to go home at final four and make her think, oh, we're onto the wrong mole, and then she'll change tactics. That's not a bad theory. That's my theory on it. I can't now see Buddy and Malushka both making finals, but I think one of them will. So, have you got anything else you want to say? No, I think we're good. I'm going to continue on in my 70-hour work week. <laughs> We do also, as always, need to discuss a little bit of Belgi because we have now final, finally had a full trailer for it. It looks amazing. And we had the confirmation earlier in the week that the premiere is going to be Sunday, March 8th. Woo! Which isn't ideal for us, but it does kind of add up with the suspicion of April 26th being the finale. So we are obviously going to be back for Belgium all. We both cannot wait because it looks amazing as always. And I... I'm very much a Belgian mole evangelist. I am the the equivalent of a Mormon missionary for Belgian mole, I feel like. Knocking on people's doors going, Hello, you have a lovely home. Can I talk to you about the Book of Gilles de Costa? <laughs> um, <laughs> or the Book of Gilles. But um, yeah, we both can't wait. We're going to make it work. It's going to be slightly inconvenient for the first couple of weeks, I'll be real. But we're going to make it work. It'll be fun. And they're going to Greekland. Maybe they'll run into Kathy. Maybe. So, thank you for listening to our Views to Mole recap. We'll be back this time next week for another episode of Mole Hunting. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, all of which we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsofkwacky, and I am MJ Harmstone. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring. <laughs>